Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. That was uh, a little montage tribute that I found on YouTube dedicated to the actor Tom Hanks. And so today, um, the podcast is going to be a retrospective of Tom Hanks. Now here's the deal is Tom Hanks... If you know anything about cinema, no, you know, should know, that Tom Hanks is one of the greatest fil- modern actors of all that, he, that there is. So I'm not going to say he's one of the greatest actors of all time, because honestly most of the greatest actors, you know, died before, you know, were, or were prominent uh, prior to uh, 1970. But in terms of the modern era of filmmaking, Tom Hanks is pretty much at the top. There are very few that I think could make a legitimate case against him as being better. You know, I'm thinking maybe Daniel Day-Lewis, Jack Nicholson are two people that come to mind. Uh, Beyond that, I don't know who could. But, and so because, but the thing is that makes Tom Hanks stand out against, say, Daniel Day-Lewis is the sheer body of work. Now, Daniel Day-Lewis, when he comes out, he makes a movie, it's going to be good. He only, he makes very few movies, but what he does, they are good. Whereas Tom Hanks has a huge list of movies, and most of them are pretty successful. There are some duds, namely anything involving the Dan, Dan Brown films or, or Dan Brown novels. But he's got a lot of good ones. And so what I'm doing, because of the sheer volume of work that he has, I am only focusing in this, this episode upon the movies that came out 
from 1999 or earlier, all right? So if it came out 2000 to today, it's not going to be considered in this podcast. And like I said, that's because, just because of the volume of work that Tom Hanks has done. And so I'm going to kind of give you a ranking of what I think are the 10 best movies he's done, he did up until 1999, up through 1999. And I'm going to focus on one single movie in that list in terms of quality. And so, and it's, and I should note that I'm not totally grading based upon um, the quality of the film, although that certainly influences but I'm really more so uh, grading on um, Tom Hanks' performance. And so so we're going to get started here. So my top ten uh, Tom Hanks films between 1999 or earlier. So number ten is That Thing You Do. Which, okay, I'm going to straight up say this is an example of one that didn't, is I have not seen. But I know, I've heard it's good, and so I am kind of called this the, um, covering my, C, that's the CYA um, mention on this list. Um, I do need to get seeing it, I'll admit to that, but I did not have time. I watched a pretty good number of Tom Hanks movies today, uh, just to kind of give myself a good... Um, to do well on this pot to give be a little bit more informed today. Um, number number ten, nine is League of Their Own, and a League of Their Own is it's in terms of quality is a really good movie. It's a pretty solid movie. The thing that kind of takes away from Tom Hanks is the fact that he is not really the focal point of. The movie, the focal point is mostly the female actresses. And so, for that reason, he does not carry um, the film like he does in some of his other movies. And so, he does a good performance, but because he does not have quite as prominent of a role, that's why I have it down at number nine. But it's still, you know, a good movie. Number eight, Sleepless in Seattle. If a very popular movie amongst those who have a romantic side to them. Uh, the famous story of the guy going to meet the girl at the top of the Empire State Building. And I do like that the movie acknowledges that it's ripping off uh, uh, previous movies. Um, but like I said, it's a... Uh, generally, it, you know, it's a pretty solid... It's, pretty decent movie and one of the things you're going to notice here is this is something that I noticed in his pre-1999 films is there is definitely um, a huge variety in his roles and so Sleepless in Seattle and also You've Got Mail which it did not make my top 10 list are two movies where he plays that romantic comedy guy which you don't see that much with Tom Hanks anymore. And it could be because he's an older actor. But a Sleepless in Seattle definitely fit into that. And it's probably the most popular of um, those movies. Number eight 
or number seven, sorry, is I put big. Uh, this is probably, I would say this is maybe the movie that really put uh, Tom Hanks on, well, I know he was in Dragnet and he was in some other movies beforehand, but Big was really the movie that launched um, Tom Hanks into the uh, greater uh, image or greater view of the public or the notoriety. Uh, today, I wa actually was watching through a lot of his movies. I watched through five different Tom Hanks movies. And one of the movies I watched through is not making this list. So I did watch Big to start. And then I watched Sleepless in Seattle. Um, I watched Philadelphia. I watched Forrest Gump. And then lastly, I watched Turner and Hooch. And, and the interesting thing is, of those five movies, two of them had very had similarities. But the other four, but generally, you had basically four and a half unique roles, as far as I saw it, from Tom Hanks. And so in Big, you have this great story of... You know, every what every kid wants. Every kid wants to grow up. You know, they want to have the... Or they want the advantages of being a grown-up. They hate being treated as a kid. They don't like curfews. They don't like having bedtimes. They don't like being told what to eat, and et cetera, et cetera. And they don't like having to do homework. They they see the cute older gir the girl that's a little bit older that's cute... And, you know, they wish they were bigger. They can't get on, you know, they can't do certain things just because their size and their age. And so big is that movie that's really the what if. What if a kid actually got his wish? And, uh, and I'm going to get into, there's actually a theme in there that connects with another uh, Tom Hanks movie, which I'm going to talk about later. And so I, I have that as, so I have big as number seven. Uh, number six is a movie where Tom Hanks is actually a voice actor. And I decided to only let one of this franchise in, and that is Toy Story 2. Realistically, I honestly think Toy Story 2 is the... or And maybe you could make a case... I actually say probably even, maybe even Toy Story 3 is the best movie that Tom Hanks is in. That's my opinion. But, because it's the nature of the movie, I don't see the high quality of the movie being because of Tom Hanks. I don't think Tom Hanks is what makes that movie so great. What makes the movie so great is the writers, it's Pixar. And so that's why I don't really have this as high up, because this is not as much to Tom Hanks' credit as it is to the credit of um, of the filmmakers. Number five, The Green Mile. Green Mile is a... Really, it is a good movie, and there's definitely some good stuff to talk about in this one. Um, I'm not going to go... I'm not going to talk about it today. I think I'm going to use Green Mile um, if I ever do a Stephen King uh, podcast. And so that would fall into that list, or maybe want to do a Michael Clark Duncan podcast, or whatever it might be. Uh, that's what I'd use Green Mile for. It's a, but like I said, Green Mile is one where he strong performances actually throughout the movie. 
It's got a really good story. Um, cinematically, it's strong. Uh, definitely one of his better movies. So I put that number five. Number four is realistically a movie that could make a good case for I could make a good case being in the top one or two in terms of quality by Tom Hanks. And that is Saving Private Ryan. The reason why I don't put this up into the top one, number one or two is because the quality of Saving Private Ryan, much like Toy Story, is much more on the directing. And this is not, again, this is not to take away from Tom Hanks' work. Because Tom Hanks really does a great performance. He does a strong performance in this movie. But the, what made the movie memorable was the directing, the work of Steven Spielberg. And it's really, because it, just the scope of the movie, compared to some of other Tom Hanks' other movies, makes it hard to get overly focused on his role. Number four, number th so number four, I have Saving Private Ryan. Number three is Apollo 13. Uh, back in, oh, I gotta look up the, let me look up the, an internet movie database here. There was a stretch where, if you're paying attention to it, there was a stretch where uh, Tom Hanks was just absolutely on fire, cinematically speaking. So, okay, so, just to show you this. 93, Philadelphia. 94, Forrest Gump. 95, Apollo 13. 96, Toy Story. He took... Not Toy Story, but that thing you do. He took 97 off, and then 98 is Saving Private Ryan. That is his... That... And then 99 was the Green Mile. 2000, Castaway. The man just kept churning out... These high quality Oscar caliber movies, and um, you know Apollo thirteen was one of those movies that you know he he got nominated for best actor if I recall, and he didn't win it. Yeah, he didn't win it, but. Oh, I guess he did get nominated. Never mind. Just kidding what I just said. He got nominated. Uh, Ed Harris got nominated for Best Supporting Role. Um, but the movie was nominated for Best Picture. That was it. And so um, Apollo 13 was nominated for Best Picture. As was um, the year before was Forrest Gump. That got nominated and actually won Best Picture. Uh, Philadelphia, another one that... Hold on, I'm pulling this one up too, just to make sure I get it right and don't speak too early. Uh, that was one that he did get he did, did get nominated for Best Picture, but Tom Hanks won Best Actor. I mean, this was a stretch of really good movies, and it's not a coincidence that this is the first of three movies that I have that rank as the top three Tom Hanks movies or Tom Hanks performances, really, of all time in his of the. Prior to 1999. 
Because um, I can't say all time, because after 99, there are some really good performances to come yet in his career. So, number three is Apollo 13. Number two is Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is a movie that has some issues in it, topics in it, that I could very, very easily dive into, dig into. But I am not going to. And not now. Because the issues in there are, namely homosexuality, is definitely prevalent in there. There's also the issue of AIDS, which kind of doesn't have the same level of relevancy now as it did uh, 23 years ago. But the homosexuality topic is still a concern. I don't want to go into that because it is... It is such an emotionally charged topic that I want to wait yet. I still want to wait to go into that one. Uh, I don't want... I'm trying to avoid doing the overly controversial topics too often. My goal here in this podcast is to teach and to get people thinking about what's going on in movies and hopefully, where possible, teach some basics about the Christian faith. And yes, homosexuality is a topic that connects into that, but it's also one that's very, I think, is more emotionally charged than some of these other issues. And I, and I want to be ready for that. And you know, as so I was thinking, oh, I'm going to do Tom Hanks movies. It just didn't cross my mind that that might come up when talk about uh, his films. And I should have, because I knew that's what. Philadelphia was about, but I just wasn't thinking about it. Uh, but Philadelphia is definitely a movie that bring in the subject of homosexuality. But like I said, I am not going to touch on that right now. Uh, I'm thinking maybe in January I might dive into it. And I, But when I do divide, dive into it, I want to be ready and planning on it. So just because of what's in it. It is an important issue. It needs to be talked about. It should be spoken on. But I want to be ready for that. And so the number one movie that I have pre-2000 is Forrest Gump. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. As looking at uh, Rotten Tomatoes, as looking at the list of Tom Hanks movies and... How many of them are certified fresh and things like that? And it's kind of, it's quite remarkable that 16 of his movies have at least an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that does not include Philadelphia. It does not include Forrest Gump. Two, the two movies that I consider to be, I mean, Forrest Gump, arguably, you could make a really strong case for that being the best performance of Tom Hanks' career, and yet it only has 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, which tells you that when this movie was released, it did not have uh, quite the popularity um, that it did, you know, that it does now. It's It might be one of those movies where people did not learn to like it until... Um, a tiny bit later. It's, I mean, it really is a interesting th- reality. Um, here's, I mean, here's Tomato Meter's critical consensus. It says, 
Forrest Gump may be an overly sentimental film with a somewhat problematic message, but its sweetness and charm are usually enough to approximate true depth and grace. And so Tom Hanks, so Forrest Gump, it's kind of interesting movie to watch on the same day that you watch the movie Big. And it's also interesting to watch, you know, only a couple weeks after uh, watching the movie uh, Big Fish by Tim, Tim Burton. And the reason is, is because you can definitely see similarities. Uh, Forrest Gump has similarities to Big Fish. Um, and it definitely has similarities to the movie Big. And the very similar nature is that both of them have, you know, Big, quite literally, is a story of a, a child stuck in a man's body. The movie Forrest Gump kind of has a little bit of that. And what you see in the movie is this praising of childlike innocence. And, you know, that... The childlike thinking or viewing of the world of being something to be treasured. And that it's almost something that we as adults uh, need something of. And, I mean, you have in the movie, you have Jenny, you know, I miss Jenny, and you have this character who, she's supposed to be the normal one, and, and her life is an absolute disaster throughout the film. All the so-called normal people have a disaster of a life, and yet the one who isn't normal seems to be having everything going well. And I know it's because the story is, you know, very much a sequence of improbable events, an improbable biography. <clears throat> but nonetheless, you see that his life is not in shambles quite the way it is for others. But it's kind of interesting is that... While he has the success, you know, he has success playing for Alabama. He has success, um, you know, fighting the war. He has success with ping pong. He has success with the shrimping business. He has success in the stock market. He has all kinds of success, financial and whatever. And yet you see this man that is not content. But he's missing something. And that thing is, I miss Jenny, as he says frequently. He missed Jenny. And that fulfillment is found in relationships, found in love. I mean, in all of his <coughs> stories, there's a there is somebody that's a companion to him. The beginning of the movie... It's his mother. Then it becomes Jenny off and on. And then there's uh, Lieutenant Dan. There's Bubba. Throughout the movie, he has different people that he latches onto. And that's where he finds fulfillment, is in these people in his life. 
And the movie, in the end, you see that he's ultimately content. He's ultimately happy when he's there with his son waiting for the bus and it's in his relationship to Jenny and then to his son who him and Jenny had together that he's you're seeing a contentment. And then there's another level of topic in this movie and it's you know, they f straight up ask this. He straight up asks this. You have two characters that personify two different philosophies. You have his mother who says, Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Namely that it's almost like there's this idea of, or that, you know, life is like a a feather blowing in the wind. The feather is blowing wherever wind, wind, and wherever the wind wishes it could go. Which you see at the beginning of the movie, you see it at the end of the movie. But you notice at the beginning of the movie, the flower he picks that the flower feather he picks it up. He puts it in the book, suggesting. Another So the other half of the question, Lieutenant Dan says, is very much about that he, there is a sub, there's fate, that something in his life is determined. And so, you know, he, Forrest has this question, so what is life? Is it determined, or is it, is it fate, or is it, or are we being tossed about in the wind like a feather? You know, or are we dust in the wind? as the the famous song goes. And so who's right? And he asks this question when he's standing at Jenny's grave. Who was right? Was it Mom or was it Lieutenant Dan? And he comes to the conclusion that's a little bit of both. And you see this in image. They image this in the simple uh, image of um, the feather. Because the feather... You see it moving around of its own, you know, chaotically. But Forrest grabs it and he takes control of it for a bit by having it in the book. And, and so this is like the idea of it is that there is a... So the idea of the movie is that there is determinism. There's some kind of level of determinism that your life is determined by fate. In there's a certain level of chaos and it would seem that the movie is you know a little bit nihilistic I mean you have the whole um, you know <laughs> the whole part of my language but shit happens uh, bumper sticker in that scene and it seems like it's nihilistic but I just I don't really see that it's, that's where it's going you know that everything's meaningless it seems to be that the movie is communicating some form of determinism, but almost like a chaotic determinism. And, and the question could be asked, is this consistent with Scripture? Is this, as Christians, 
is this the worldview that we have? Um, in the Bible, we have, you know, we have Ephesians 1, which says, before the foundations of the world, God chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before the foundations of the world, says that in love he predestined us. In Revelation, you know, Romans uh, 8, it says that God, pre you know, God works for the good of all those who believe in him. Um, or you have, you know, the famous verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, where I have plans for you. Talking about plans for the He's talking about the Israelites in exile, but nonetheless, he's saying, I have plans for you. And so there's this, definitely this idea in Scripture that God has a will and he has a, he has a destination. And there is a sense of faith, but the question, but does that mean that we're just these robots, these puppets that are just uh, being moved throughout the ages and we have no control over what our life is like and where it's going? Well, you, the answer to that could be seen in um, Genesis 50, when Joseph stands before his brothers, and he says to them, what you have meant for evil, God is using for the salvation of many. And see, right there you see it, is that clearly there is the will of Joseph's brothers, the will of sin, and yet, and God did not, control them. He did not puppet them to sin. That was their own will. But yet God works with in um, conjunction or whatever with those acts. Even in those moments he uses even our evil moments. He doesn't cause the evil but he uses the evil moments to bring about good. To bring about his will. And see that is. And so it's not so easy as to say. Well there's. You know are we. Do we have free will? Is our will. Is our future determined? What is it? And it's. It's complex. And I kind of like the Forrest Gump actually. The movie kind of communicates this. That there's a complexity. To wit. To the wit. To to our will, to what, why things happen. And, and it even goes into, you know, why do bad things happen? And, you know, why did Jenny have to die? Why did his mother have to die? Why did this war happen? Why did, uh, how did Forrest get that Congressional Medal of Honor when, uh, you know, how did all these things happen in it? And, and the reason is because it's the will of the filmmaker. And the character has no free will because it's all determined by the writer. So the question could be asked again is this movie is this movie um
does this create an arg- argument that we are all puppeted? And I don't, and again, I don't think it does. I think that the movie is trying to communicate that there is a little bit of both. Another layer to this move to Forrest Gump that makes it such a a great film, I think, is the characters. You have obviously the character Forrest Gump, a Forrest who is you know very well portrayed uh, by Tom Hanks, and. And then you have the complex character that is Jenny. And why does she do the things that she does? Why doesn't she stick with Forrest? And you have this very protective instinct of Forrest, which is what men are supposed to be doing. Men are supposed to protect their... are supposed to protect women. They're not to harm or hurt or hit women. We are to protect. Not because women are weak or inferior, but because God... Because women are God's creations, and more specifically, that they are God's gift to man. You know, the very first thing that God gave to man after life itself was... Eve was his wife, was the woman. And so women are gifts from God to men and therefore to be treasured and protected. Again, this is not to say that women are inferior and this is not the whole pedestal thing that people don't like. It's simply something of that they're just, they're of value. And value... Like, I don't know how to put a good comparison on that. But that's the way scripture kind of forces us to think. Is of a woman as a gift from God. As some, someone, as people, to be cherished and to be protected and guarded against being harmed. And that's what you see in forest. You see incredible chivalry in regards to... Um, Jenny and Jenny seeing this you know doesn't think that she deserves him and to be if you're to be honest watching the movie is that she doesn't and she's right she never deserves him not from the beginning I mean at, at no point I mean he's there for her so many times when he can and she treats him like junk. Treats him like crap. And yet he keeps loving her. Even though she at times throws his love in his face. And what's interesting is, I don't want to... I, I got to be careful about this. But this is actually a really Im- good image of the relationship between Christ and the church. Now, I don't want to say that Forrest Gump is Jesus, or that he is some type of a god. The comparison is limited. It's I'm just referring, not necessarily to the character of Forrest, but the relationship between Forrest and Jenny. See, we, the church, are Jenny. 
We are the ones whom Jesus has loved in such a degree that he shed his blood on the cross for us. That he makes us holy and he sees us without blemish, spotless. And yet we throw his love in his face all the time. And we so often think that we know better, that we have the better way, that we don't need him. And yet he comes back over, he comes to us over and over and over again, reaching out, drawing us back to him. And he, he doesn't have to tell us that he knows what love is, because he is love. And He's loved us in ways, in a way that we cannot even begin to fathom or understand. And so like Jenny, who did not deserve Forrest's love, we don't deserve the love of Jesus, but Jesus gives it to us anyways. And I think that's a very beautiful image in that movie of that. And I, I don't know, I don't think the movie's trying to do that intentionally but it's definitely personifying it. You know, read, you know, look at Ephesians 5, and he says that, you know, the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. And that is what you see in Forrest. The way Forrest looks to Jenny, the way he treats her, the way he loves her, is the is an image of what all marriage should be because every marriage is to be a reflection of Christ's love for the church. See, Christ's love for the church is not a reflection of marriage. Marriage is a reflection of his love for us. So that's what I've got for, you know, the first couple decades of Tom Hanks career uh, he's you know a great actor some great movies Forrest Gump is a very meaty movie there's a lot of things that could go into it and I didn't go into everything I just went into a few things and so I don't know when I'm going to get to the second half of this the rest of his career it may be a couple months from now but uh, there you go my 10 movies of Tom Hanks' career pre-1999 and earlier, and a little bit heavier focused on Forrest Gump, which I believe is his best movie, 1999 or earlier. And hopefully you got some thinking going about, you know, just thinking about how the gospel works and seeing it in that relationship. Uh, between Forrest and Jenny, and and again, making you getting you to think about you know fate, to think about destiny, you know definitely it is a topic in Forrest Gump, and uh, it's a topic we always ask a question. So the question is, what does the Bible say? So hopefully, I've given you some food for thought on that. So with that all, um, I am Pastor Neil Wemus. Um, I am a pastor of three churches, Lutheran churches. In Northwest Iowa. Uh, if you'd like to find out about them, you can check them out at www.
www.iowaoclutherans.org. Um, next week, I will be coming back at you with uh, probably uh, a movie featuring uh, an actress. So this week I looked at one actor. Next week will be an actress. I'm kind of leaning towards doing a portion of uh, Julia Roberts' career. Uh, no guarantee on that, but that's where I'm looking at. Uh, so until then, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. saying if you see me in person please leave This is Tom Hanks saying if you see me in person please leave